The Aboriginal peoples of the Kulin Nations are the traditional custodians of the lands now named City of Greater Dandenong. We acknowledge, recognise and respect Elders past, present and emerging and their continuing connections to climate, culture and country. Trent, and welcome to the Open Book Podcast, books, events, and conversations with the team at Greater Dandenong Libraries. In this month's episode, Mina and Robin book chat about the short story collection, Born Into This, by Adam Thompson, and Lee interviews author Jesse Oliver as part of the Emerging Writers Festival. Find out about how you can join in with our new online book club, The Dand E-Readers. We have reviews of The Family Law by Benjamin Law and Baby Teeth from Lena and Natalie. Hope you enjoy. Hi everyone, my name's Robin. I'm one of the librarians at Greater Dan Long Libraries and I'm here today with Mina. Hi Mina. Hi. And we're going to have a chat about Born Into This by Adam Thompson, published by University of Queensland Press in 2021. Mina, do you want to tell us a little bit about the author, Adam Thompson? Yeah, sure. Adam Thompson is an emerging Pakana writer from Launceston who writes contemporary short fiction. He's won awards from the Tamar Valley Writers' Festival and the Tasmanian Readers and Writers' Festival, and he's received a First Nations Fellowship at Varuna, the Writers' House. He's also previously written for television and performance art and been published by Kilia Darlings and the Griffith Review. Adam has also worked for the Tasmanian Aboriginal Centre for almost 20 years. Today we're talking about his recently released short story collection, Born Into This, a compelling view into myriad identities and experiences of Aboriginal and non-Aboriginal people in Tasmania. The stories have strong characters who experience complex interplays of identity, culture and colonialism. Often the characters are coming up against received wisdom about their own culture or the ways in which it can be enacted. There are large and small rebellions and attempts to take back some of what has been lost. Yeah, I found the collection um, really unique and interesting, actually, probably because it's from that contemporary perspective and also because it is um, giving us a real diversity of characters and views Mm. and we don't always um, get to hear those views. So that's kind of refreshing. Mm. And also having the, the backdrop of Tasmania was really interesting as well both the, yeah. the, rem- the remote areas, the islands, um, and the, um, the, the city backgrounds as well. Yeah. So, yeah, I found it a really interesting collection. Yeah, some of those particularly Tasmanian uh, culture and um, country elements, like the mutton birding, which you maybe don't hear a lot about a lot of the time, but sort of there was a through line of that in a lot of the stories as well, which was really interesting. Mm. Um, yeah, one of the stories I found particularly compelling was a story called Honey. It's actually the first story that Adam Thompson wrote, which had a bit of success and encouraged him to continue writing his short stories. Anyway, the story is about Nathan, an Aboriginal man working with a non-Aboriginal man, Sharky, on his honey farm. 
They're travelling in Sharky's ute, a ute that Sharky's promised to give to Nathan once he's earned it, which he reckons he just about has. Sharky asks Nathan what the Aboriginal word for honey is. He reckons it would be a good gimmick for selling his honey, attracting the tourists in. Sharky also baits Nathan about stone artefacts. He says he used to throw into the river in their thousands. He tells Nathan they're nothing special. They used to throw them in the river, but you probably couldn't get away with that anymore, he says. Sharky throws his weight around. Nathan doesn't have a lot of options but to listen to Sharky's deliberately inflammatory rhetoric while they drive around in the ute, and Sharky skulls his rum and cokes and sucks down ciggies. The story sets up this power dynamic and then makes a sharp turn, which we won't reveal, but which kind of introduces an idea of karmic retribution that I found particularly satisfying. What did you think of that story, Robin? Mm, yeah, that was a good one. Um, I did enjoy the dynamic between the two characters. You could feel um, Nathan's rising indignation as Sharky was so um, flippant about how him and his brother had found thousands of these um, stone tools um, when they were mucking around as kids and they just took delight in just flipping them into the, the water so that they... Um, they wouldn't be found and I think they made a comment about so that you know Aboriginal people couldn't claim claim rights to this area yeah he makes comments to Nathan saying oh because they've just found some more a little mound of stone tools and he says don't don't tell anyone about it we don't want people coming in here and you know taking taking away my farm and and Nathan says yeah. that's not how that's not how land claims work that's not how native title works but this is yeah 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 yeah, and trying to claim land rights. So, yeah, it was a really interesting dynamic between the, the two characters. It pretty sort of, um, well, kind of got his comeuppance mm. in the mm. end, you might say. Um, and, yeah, just the author having a little bit of a, a, a dig there. That's right, yeah. And it's yeah, particularly satisfying if you like, um, if you like revenge stories i feel like that was that really aligns with that sort of idea yeah i'm quite into that yeah yeah and there is a bit there is a bit of revenge and vengeance going on um through a few of the stories actually some of the characters can be um quite vindictive um sometimes you know that makes them a bit unlikable or maybe morally hmm. questionable. But we get to sort of see the story that's around them, what what provokes yeah. them, um, you know, what their kind of context and background is. So we can um, reflect yeah. on that, even though we might sort of question the character's um, behaviour, we can sort of see their motivation. Yeah, it makes them very real as well, I think reacting to those provocations mm. and the various ways that they do. Yeah. Um, so another story that I uh, particularly liked was one called Descendant um, about a driven young Aboriginal high school student called Dorothy and she's created an Aboriginal student association, ASPA, off her own steam, applying to the education department and receiving a grant to get the association up and running. She's particularly affronted when another student, a popular girl from a group that Dor Dorothy refers to as the princesses, claims to be of Aboriginal heritage without what Dorothy considers to be proof. They clash and Dorothy starts to lose control of her hard-won student association and that space that she's negotiated to run it in. Towards the end of the story, Dorothy has a vision during what her teachers say is a seizure 
of her grandmother at a land rights rally in 1977. And the story weaves in Dorothy's family's history of land rights activism into a moment where she is struggling to find her feet after both a bureaucratic and personal attack on her identity and that space she's worked really hard for. Um, I really loved, I thought Dorothy as a character was fantastic. I could easily read a novel that was just about her and her, um, and her exploits. I, I, think, I think she was wonderful. Mm, yeah, it was a really interesting look at kind of, um, you know, schoolyard politics, teenage rivalries. And I was also interested in the idea of um, Aboriginal heritage and how it's viewed even within the community about, um, you know, who, who claims to be Aboriginal, um, you know, how they may use that for, as a for status or power and what they think is really authentic. Mm. Um, yeah, I find that concept really, really interesting. Yeah, it's definitely interesting to read about those complexities that um, perhaps non-Aboriginal people don't come across. Um, I thought also at the end it was interesting there was a cup that Dorothy had um, with the mm. Aboriginal flag and during the kerfuffle it was, it was broken and, and put together um, with the cracks in it. I thought that was kind of sort of symbolic yeah, as well. it was a nice little um, metaphor, wasn't it, of things being broken and trying to stick back together with a bit of, yeah, trying, trying to, to put, put it back, back together. together, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah they're... Oh, they're all really excellent short stories. They have compelling insights into, into people's daily and lifelong encounters with prejudice and racism and how these play out as power dynamics and how they fracture their friendships and their intimate relationships, their, um, all their relationships, really. And there's, yeah, there's that really strong through line of post-colonial destruction of country and the various ways people have connection to country and culture and enact it. There's the, the um, title short story, Born Into This, um, which is about Cara, who works in the Launceston Aboriginal Housing Service, and she endures a lot daily from her clients and her boss, um, and we see her, she finally gets out of the office and goes to her place in the bush where she's reclaiming a little bit of the land by revegetating it with native plants. I'll just read this next part. It sort of exemplifies the way the stories weave in the themes of uh, resilience and colonisation. Hunkered down at the base of the fence, Kara waited, silent, listening. Then she stood and peered into the cage. The plants were in various stages of growth. Some a foot tall, others just fresh new seedlings. All were in black pots and spaced as efficiently as possible within the cage. The bright green luminescence of young eucalypt leaves distinguished them from the surrounding monotony of introduced pines. She tried to recall how many she had raised and planted, but had lost count. All grown from seeds she collected from the few remaining natives, their will to survive unshaken by the destruction of their environment, their roots so well established as to sustain the mechanical and chemical onslaught of the forestry operations. These were the best stock for her to propagate. Natural survivors, like her own family, born into a hostile world and expected to thrive. She took in the surrounding devastation and thought again about her own life, born into this. Mm, yeah, it's really powerful, isn't it? Um, that feeling of um, being born into a hostile world. So feeling, feeling isolated, feeling divided, separated, um, and, and yet trying to exist 
um, and forge um, their own way within this kind of essentially yeah yeah hostile environment or you know within um, the confines of um, the, the majority white mm. white society and that traumatic history and yeah and also noticing about um, the land has changed over time um, both through um, you know forestry and development um, climate change that's a theme that comes up in um, quite a few mm. of the stories too um, noticing the changes and the destruction um, there's one story early on where the, the guy has a group of um, Aboriginal kids that he's taking on like a survival oh, yeah. camp, yep. you know, teaching them teaching them traditional ways. Um, he, he thinks at one stage that the kids have um, stolen from him, so it becomes a bit um, vindictive and decides to oh, teach yeah. them a lesson and takes them on this huge hike, yeah. huge hike, um, you know, to this um, far away waterhole. But he, he knows the waterhole is there. So, you know, he's not worried about that. But it all kind of um, Unravels, goes downhill. <laughs> yeah, they, the kids end up, the kids, one of the kids gets sick and ends up having to be airlifted um, off the island. And then as he's um, flying out, he sees that the waterhole that he was heading to is, is no longer there. And it's always been there. And, yeah, I thought that was um, really poignant, yeah. feeling his shock at how... The, the land had changed. Yeah, absolutely. And in his lifetime too, yeah, which is yeah. with all the um, the forestry that goes on in those areas, just destroying all the water catchments and stuff. It's Yeah. I know, that was, story was fantastic. I really liked that character actually. What's his name? Uncle Ben, I think? Ben, yes, yeah. Uncle Ben. Yeah, he's a bit yeah. crusty and jaded. Yeah. Yeah. Um but you can sort of I yeah, quite um, <laughs> understand where he's coming from. Yeah, yeah for sure. And there, yeah, like I was saying before, there is a real diversity of characters in the stories. Yeah. Um, he's written from um, various points of view, older characters, younger, male and female. Um, and, and also, so, yeah, that non-Aboriginal um, point of view as well, people who have enacted racism as well as people who who have to cop that prejudice uh, all the time, mm. which is also interesting. Yeah, yeah, it was. And I found there was sort of recurring themes of kind of isolation and loneliness. There's quite a few mm. things about islands, um, people yeah. living on islands, and I sort of started to think about the concept of, um, you know, being an island in yourself, like mm. feeling that you have to be um, self-contained, that you have to... Um, remove yourself um, from society to a certain extent um, and also feeling comfortable in that isolation, um, living a more simple life where you can just concentrate on your survival and on the land around you. Um, I, I found a lot of that quite quite poignant. There's some really um, poignant and moving um, parts to the stories as well. Yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree with that. Um, it's interesting to read a collection of short stories, actually. I, I don't read a lot of short stories and I often ask myself why because technically they should be um, really suitable, especially if you feel like you're time poor, you know, you're busy, mm. you don't have a lot of time for reading. You can read these little bite-sized um, stories and um, in a short amount of time and then yep. sort of re reflect on them. Um, mm. You know, I guess that there's 
also um, good things about reading a, a longer form novel where yeah. you can really get into the narrative and the characters develop and there's intrigue and so forth. But I wonder if it has something to do with. I read a little. Um, oh, sorry, I listened to a little interview with Adam Thompson, and he talks about why he likes the short story format, and he was talking about how you can really get across with a really with the spare kind of writing, you can get across these big themes and big ideas and you leave a really lasting impression because there isn't a finality. There isn't, like, you don't get to wrap up everybody's um, story or um, you don't, you know, you just don't have that finality you do in a novel. Mm. You, you can have, like, a bigger impression. He said he, he the, the biggest impressions that he's had with stories is, is in that short story format because he feels as though there's something there that he can he can go on and think about um, into the future. Yeah. And so that's why they stick with him. When it's all wrapped up, maybe you don't you don't need to think about it anymore. So they don't linger with you. Mm. So that's, yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. It's like a sort of poignant little moment in time um, that you're reading and then you do get to reflect on it afterwards, mm. um, you know, some of the, the, the broader themes uh, and things that have been brought up in the story. Yeah, um, I think really enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. I highly recommend it. Yeah, so that's Born Into This by Adam Thompson. It's available as an audio book and a physical copy through the libraries and you can find all the details in our podcast show notes. Yeah, so what else have you been reading, Robin? Uh, Well, uh, on the short story theme, I have read another couple of collections of short stories lately. Mm -hmm. The first one is Smart Ovens for Lonely People by Elizabeth Tan. Um, definitely intrigued by the title that did mm-hmm. attract me to it. It's a very unique and quirky collection of stories um, from things like uh, washing machines gone rogue and uh, losing everybody's clothes all over the globe um, <laughs> to uh, the the title story, smart oven, a smart oven that um, is cat shaped and is given to people who are suffering from depression. And not only does it talk you through um, recipes, it talks you through um, some of your problems and, oh, and wow. gives life, ad- life advice as well. Sounds amazing. I'd have one of those for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think we all like our cat shape. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so it's quite experimental. Some of the story is really quite oddball. Um, but I found the ones that I enjoyed the most, I really loved, and I found them um, so poignant and funny. Um, I just want to read them over and over again. Mm. So I highly recommend that one by Elizabeth Tan. Fantastic. The other one that I've been reading is A Constant Hum by Alice Bishop. Mm-hmm. It's also a collection of short stories based on the 2009 Black Saturday bushfires and mm-hmm. the aftermath of those fires. This is a collection that Alice has been working on uh, for around 10 years, so she's been um, you know, building it up over that time. It combines a, a lot of different forms from just um, some of them are just like a couple of lines, there's flash fiction, there's longer form short stories. Um, so I find it sort of the collection kind of ebbs and flows and we're given many different views and perspectives um, that came up from the aftermath of the fires of how people reacted 
um, what what changed their actual experiences. Mm. Um, it's really powerful and moving. Mm. Wow. And um, Alice is going to join us as part of the Emerging Writers Festival at Greater Dandenong this month. Oh. Um, I think she's going to be doing a short story workshop, so it'll be oh, great. fantastic. And actually, we should just mention that Adam Thompson um, will, he is part of the Emerging Writers Festival this year as well. So he won't be um, doing any sessions at the library, but he, you can find him um, and he's whatever program he's involved in online. We'll put a link at the bottom too. That's great. Yeah, he'd be great to check out. Yeah. Um, What about you? What else have you been reading? Um, I've been reading a book called Kim Ji-yung, born 1982, a book about Mm. uh, rampant misogyny and sexism within families, intimate relationships, schools, universities and workplaces, you name it. Uh, it's sort of told through this, the life story of Kim and the oppressions that she faces at every turn. It was a, this book was a massive hit in South Korea uh, and you learn a lot about systemic sexism in Korean society from reading the book. There are obviously so many parallels with Australian society as well um, and every society. It's definitely about systemic inequality in every society. I highly recommend it. The other mm, thing that I've yeah. been reading, yeah. Um, the other thing I've been reading is a non-fiction guide to living with endometriosis called How to Endo. The author is a formal Triple J presenter with a popular Instagram account, Endogram. The book helps to navigate through the myths, uh, misinformation and general lack of information about endometriosis and support people making decisions about their pain management and other medical options like surgery. It's very accessible, um, it's quite a bit of fun um, and it's highly recommended for anyone with a diagnosis or waiting for a diagnosis. Mm, Sounds great. Yeah, both very um, topical books. Yeah. Um, They sound like really great ones to check out. Okay, thanks, Mina. It's been great chatting with you today. Yeah, you too, Robin. You can find all the links and information about all the books we've been talking about in the show notes. So check it out. Hi everyone, my name's Lee and I'm part of the programs team here at Greater Dandenong Libraries. While our in-person program is on hold until further restrictions ease in Greater Melbourne, I'm excited to share some of our upcoming online programs. Our library's partnership with Emerging Writers Festival continues this year with our support of three great programs, including a short and sweet short story workshop with author of A Constant Hum, Alice Bishop, a talk from author of Eating With My Mouth Open, Sam Van Sweden, as well as our After Dark spoken word performance. We're also hosting a online information session this month from Services Australia about how to manage your superannuation. And there's some great think tank science programs for the kids to enjoy from home. If you're keen on more Reader's Advisory, check out our new and improved Read and Relax blog, full of great reviews of books, movies and more from our library staff. For more programming information, visit us at greaterdandenong.vic.gov.au forward slash libraries. Hi everyone. Have you always wanted to be in a book club? Would you like to join in some book chat with others? If so, join us in our new online book club, The Dandy Readers. 
Each month, we will read or listen to a book from our Overdrive online ebook and audio collection and meet online to discuss it. Discussion notes will be provided to give us some conversation starters. The online book club will meet on the fourth Thursday of the month from 2 to 3 p.m. Head to our website and the What's On in the Library page and search up Online Book Club to find out this month's title and register for the discussion. You'll be emailed a link to the book club meeting, which will be held on MS Teams. It's easy to join on your computer or download the free MS Teams app if you're joining via tablet or smartphone. You'll find all the info you need on the show notes. So come and join us for a chat. Coming up now, we have two title reviews from staff members Natalie and Lena. How do you cram a lifetime into a moment? Hi, my name is Natalie and I just finished watching the film Baby Teeth. Baby Teeth is an Australian dramedy and was released in 2020. Directed by Shannon Murphy of TV's Killing Eve fame, Baby Teeth is the latest addition to the terminally ill teen romance genre, which I didn't even know was a thing. Don't be fooled though, very little of this film is set in the hospital. Baby Teeth is a coming-of-age film with a difference. The story centres around Miller, who is played by Eliza Scanlon from Little Women. Miller is a 16-year-old girl who is seriously ill with cancer. After school one day, she quite literally crashes into love and arrives in the form of 23-year-old rat-tailed drug dealer Moses, who is played by relative newcomer Toby Wallace. He gallantly helps her with a blood nose, but follows it up with a request for money. Private school educated, middle class Miller is smitten, immediately drawn to his wild charisma and chaotic lifestyle. Miller's parents, psychiatrist Henry, played by Ben Mendelssohn, and former pianist Anna, played by Essie Davis, aren't too pleased when she brings Moses home to meet them. After all, he is much older and far more streetwise than her. However, due to Miller's ailing health and the happiness and life that Moses ignites in her, her parents permit the relationship. As ridiculous a choice as he might seem, Moses is Miller's first love, and they don't want to deny her this opportunity when she might not even live to adulthood. And it's not as though Miller's parents can judge Moses too harshly. Henry and Anna both deal with their own emotional pain in ways that can only be described as interesting, from self-medicating with morphine, Zoloft and Xanax from Henry's psychiatry stash, to pashing a neighbour. Baby Teeth is adapted from a play by Rita Carnier, who also wrote the film's screenplay. Carnier's and Murphy's theatrical backgrounds are apparent from the film's stunning visuals, and their attention to light and texture throughout the film is amazing. Baby Teeth's soundtrack is a cracker too. Murphy's use of music throughout the film is inspiring, which isn't a surprise given that both Miller and her mum are musicians. The soundtrack is diverse, including classical strings, as well as electro and modern soul. I really enjoyed Baby Teeth. I'm interested in the conversations it prompts about how to live in the face of death, and I love how the film deals with such messy and complex themes in a quirky and even humorous way. Despite its heavy subject matter, Murphy has created a beautiful and unforgettable film. You can borrow Baby Teeth on DVD from our collection. Thanks for listening. Hi, my name is Lina Hernandez from CGD Libraries. Today, I will be talking to you about a book I read called The Family Law, written by Benjamin Law. 
The book is a compilation of chapters describing Benjamin's family. The stories are personal, eccentric, humorous, but also a bit confronting. Benjamin appears to me as a very descriptive author who is not shy to talk about personal family matters and how they shape the adult he has become. I particularly like the chapters when he writes about the challenges his family faced as migrants from Hong Kong living in Australia in the 1970s. From simple things like the difference in food and the weather to the more complex ones like the fear of deportation felt by several of his family members, the anxiety, the pain, the hiding. It's all written in a humorous way, but it does reflect the reality that his family, along many other migrant families, still experience when they live with no legal documents in a foreign country. The book also recounts many stories he shared with his siblings. From the games they used to play while living in Queensland, to the overseas trips they took together as adults, the strong relationship they all had with their mom, who is by far my favorite character of the book, to the unconventional and sometimes strange relationship some of them had with their dad. It recounts stories about being a gay young adult living in a small country town in Australia while trying to figure out the world and who he really is at the same time. I found myself laughing several times, and it sort of made me think about my own family, culture, and child memories that only you and your close family will know. Those jokes that you might tell someone about that particular family gathering, but they probably won't find funny as they were in there, those are the type of memories shared in the different chapters of this book, with the difference being that the author manages to make you laugh and actually relate to his own family stories. If you are after a light, eccentric, and funny read, this will be a good book for you. Hey everyone, this interview was recorded before the most recent lockdown and restrictions were announced in Victoria and Greater Melbourne. As such, some information in it is out of dates. The Emerging Writers Festival After Dark event will now take place online on Thursday 17th of June from 7.15 to 8.15 and not at Springvale Library. For more information, please visit greaterdanninong.vic.gov.au forward slash libraries. Jesse Oliver is a writer and performer of kind of slammy, often fantastical and optimistically emotional performance poetry. He was the 2017 Australian Poetry Slam champion, a 2018 TEDx speaker and Fringe World playwrights, a former director of the National Young Writers Festival and the current CEO of Express Media, trying to facilitate the next generation of storytellers in taking over the world. And he's here with us on Open Book Podcast. Thanks for joining us, Jesse. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Um, to start, I wonder if you can tell us a little bit about yourself um, and how you got into spoken word poetry. 
Sure. Um, I'm Jesse. I'm uh, Scorpio Sun and Moon, Pisces Rising. <laughs> um, I love um, I love poetry slams because they're kind of um, a rubbish competition, really. It's just basically an excuse for everyone to come together and listen to each other's stories, and that's that's sort of how I got into it. Because um, I was a bit of a naughty kid in my youth, so I was um, on the streets for a bit, um, young queer kid trying to figure out who I was. And I just had this need to sort of, like, not be the other and share who I was and be able to, like, yeah, share my story sort of thing. So I was attracted to these, like, poetry readings or these poetry slams in Perth where I was from. And um, I just got into it because I felt so heard and welcomed into this little community. And the first time it was probably the most healthy community that I was in. Um, so I just basically never left. And I should mention as well, we're having you on because you're going to be the host of an Emerging Writers Festival event that we're hosting at Springvale Library, which is super exciting. It's happening on Thursday the 17th of June, which is a few days after when this podcast will be released. So hopefully there'll still be uh, some tickets available because it's all free. Um, but And we'll jump into the event in a little bit. Um, but while we're talking about your early days, I wanted to ask what books or poems have been pivotal to your career? Yeah, it's, it's, I thought this was a really great question because, like, I didn't come to the literary arts, I guess, like most people would, because um, I sort of, I don't know, being a high school dropout, I sort of thought of it as this, you know, kind of almost exclusionary thing that I wasn't a part of. Um, and that's why I like that I came to it through um, spoken word poetry because some of the most pivotal poems that I heard were from um, artists from Perth called the Anti Poet um, and um, Joni Boyd and people like that who have like very punk sort of origins of mm. um, their spoken word poetry, like going back to the eighties, and it's just basically people sticking it to the man and you know exploring these concepts and these things through writing but in a kind of different and um, very welcoming way. So those were really pivotal, pivotal in me becoming a part of the wider community. And then I started going to the National Young Writers Festival, um, which you mentioned before I was later a co-director of, because I was just obsessed with, you know, this culture of young writers coming together to share. And it wasn't based... Um, it wasn't really based on this hierarchy of accomplishments. It was just basically everyone sort of on equal footing, um, sharing their stories with community and sharing their skills with community. So that was really pivotal. Um, and, and hearing, you know, all these other stories and uh, people of colour and queer kids just like me sharing their stories, which was, um, yeah, it was great. And it, it, it helped me become a part of the wider fabric, I guess. Um, I really liked reading your profile by Express Media, uh, which mentions that you predominantly write poetic love and solidarity propaganda <laughs> with a touch of lecture from your enlightened dad. Yeah. And I want to ask you, what are the key characteristics of a lecture from your enlightened dad? To be honest, I don't, I don't know what was going through <laughs> my head when I wrote that, but let's, let's give it a go. Let's set the scene. Yeah. I'm pulling my pants up to my waist and tucking <laughs> in my college shirt. I'm wearing one of those really old caps that dads wear. Um, yeah, which is I guess actually very cool. These yeah, days which is well. actually really cool. Yeah, there was a meme I saw recently. It was like, do I look? Does do I dress like my grandpa, or does my grandpa grandpa dress like me? I don't know. <laughs> um, 
no, I think what I was trying to get at is like my poetry is very casual. It's more conversational. Um, I want to, I don't want to tell you how it is unless I have to tell you how it is, but I'd rather sort of create a conversation and bring up some things that you can explore and sort of guide you through your inner work and, you know, really critically think about the structures that are in place in society that, that others struggle through. So building that empathy and understanding, I think, is what I'm getting at. Mm, I love that. You're performing at a Emerging Writers Festival event, After Dark, yeah. uh, on Thursday, 17th of June. That's my second plug for it. Um, and it's going to feature an open mic at the end. I know that I would find that really intimidating. Um, so I'd love to know what advice you may have for people who might be feeling a bit shy on the night. Right, yeah. Well, I'm actually hosting it, which is super exciting. So the first thing is, I guess I promise that I will get you the biggest applause you've ever received in your life. <laughs> um, but I guess as, for a bit of comfort, like the first time that I performed in Perth at an open mic, um, I actually passed out because I was so nervous and I had to come <laughs> off stage, gather myself and then go back on stage. So I understand it's super scary. Um, but I guess you've, it's time. You're ready. Do it. Um, you've, mm. you've put some work into this story. It, it needs to be shared. And this is probably the best opportunity you're going to have to share it. I promise that everyone there is going to be super, um, att like attentive and listening and yeah, they'll applaud you at the end. Um, it's natural to be nervous and it's natural to be shy. Um, Go for a run in the morning. Are we going to play Eye of the Tiger behind this? this little... <laughs> oh, we should. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We'll see if we can get the rights. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, basically I was told once that I had uh, a Zohab uh, Zikhan, who was in a previous Australian Poetry Slam winner. Whenever I used to see him perform, he was always jumping up and down and, like, doing high kicks backstage. And I asked him what he was doing. He said that, like, you know, if you build up the heart rate, it actually releases, like, the, the right chemicals in your body to get rid of that nervousness and you, you actually yeah. harness it into something charged to sort of perform. Um, so if you're someone like me who starts shaking, then that's probably the best thing to do. But other than that, um, just be... You should be super proud of the work that you've created and I think this is a great environment to share it in. So please, come along. Yeah. And it'd be wonderful because, like, if a lot of people were sharing, they yes, they're going to be watching you and they're going to be attentive, but they're also going to be freaking out about their own performance. <laughs> so um, no one's going to be judging too hard. And, yeah, it's a great opportunity for people. So we'd love to see some local turnout on the nights. Um, I wanted to uh, finish up just by asking you, uh, this is kind of a reader's advisory podcast, um, so what have you enjoyed reading lately? Um, there's, I have, to, I have to plug a book from my hometown, Holden Shepherd's, Holden Shepherd's Invisible Boys. Um, I picked it up and I was originally going to read it because he's a friend of mine, but I just couldn't put it down. I pretty much read it in the entire sitting. So that was like a really, 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 really good read. Um, yeah, let's, let's, let's go with that one. I'm going to give one and it's a strong one. So let's go with that. <laughs> Great. I love that. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast, Jesse. He's hoping the night goes really well and we get some people coming up and sharing their stories. No worries. Thanks so much for having me today. 
Thanks for listening. You can find links to all the titles and programs we have talked about in the episode show notes, or visit our website for more information, greaterdanlong.vic.gov.au forward slash libraries. See you next time.